Hey Life Canton, uh, Roger here, Director of Students and Adult Ministries. So glad you're with us today. Uh, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a brand new listener, welcome. So glad that you're listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow so you can get more podcasts and content from us. So uh, it is that time of the year. It is cross equals love time. This is a series we do every year. I believe this is our fourth year. I've been on staff for a year, so this is the second time I'm hearing this series. And it's all about what the cross means and telling people about Jesus. So we love we love this series every time it comes around. If you're a returning listener, I'm sure you're going to love what we talk about this year. Every year we have a different kind of theme and message that we talk about. If you're a brand new listener, I'm, I'm so excited you're going to hear this one. This is one of our favorites. Either way, if you want to participate with what God is doing, what, what Jesus continues to do through his church, through uh, the body of Christ, um, there's so many ways that you can participate in that. One of the ways is, is to give, uh, to give of yourself financially to what Jesus is doing with his body in the community. So you can do that on our lifechurchcan.org forward slash give page. Give a recurring gift and just participate in, in what's happening. So head over to our page to do that feel so called but it's a it's a good one i'm excited for what pastor nathan's going to talk about today and some of the ways he's going to tie the cross equals love uh, discussion into our discussion of the 10-year vision so uh, give it a listen and i'll talk to you in a minute amen amen oh god yeah you can clap that'd be all right god likes it when you get excited about him <laughs> i'm so glad that you are here um, if you want, you can have a seat. If you want to stand the whole time I preach, that's up to you. It's definitely your prerogative. You're allowed to do that. Uh, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and oh, I'm just so grateful you're here. Uh, what I want for you, every single one of you, is to reclaim your identity in Jesus. And then I want you to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. And that's true if you've been here forever, or is this is your first time or your second time. In fact, if you are new, we want to journey with you. That Connect card, so important. Fill it out so that we can be part of your journey and you can be part of ours. Um, we're grateful that you are here. We are doing a series that I love deeply. And this year, I'm more excited than ever, even though it's our fourth year uh, doing it, because it connects so deeply to bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love. A lot of you are asking, how do I do that? Well, you do that by telling the story of Jesus, and every week we're going to give you an opportunity to live into that torchbearing, and today is no different. It's exciting because the cross equals love. Whenever I think of that phrase, the cross equals love, that symbolism, it's powerful. I want to encourage you to participate. Uh, there's some free stuff from previous years out, some bumper stickers and some, some bracelets and stuff that you can give to people. Um, but we also are opening up a store so you can buy some shirts. Those shirts don't profit us. It's basically a wash. But we want you to be able to wear that and take it out into community and start conversations. And it will. In fact, this week I was wearing my Cross Equals Love um, sweatshirt at a uh, coffee place. And someone came up to me and they're like, does, does that mean that, that, that like the Cross Equals Love, meaning like, Jesus equals love? Are you like making fun of Christians or something like that? You're like, they really wanted it to be that Jesus means love. They didn't want it to be like mocking it, but they couldn't quite figure out which one it was. And I'm like, if Jesus means love, that's, that's what it means. But it was such a great conversation that we had. And we connected on how difficult it is to, to have these conversations. 
I want you to have conversations like that when people see it and they go, yeah, I love that. That's why we do it, to tell the story of Jesus Christ. John 3, 16 and 17. It's one that you have heard before. I want to read it again to remind ourselves. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I heard many of you actually saying that with me. I love the verse that comes next to it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The most powerful symbol of love in all of human history is the cross. And that is ridiculous. Because the cross, the cross, this thing that I wear around my neck all the time and some of you do as well, this, this is a torture device. It was designed to humiliate, to exert power over, to push down groups of people. It was to say, I'm so powerful that I can make you suffocate to death on your own body, stretching you up so that you die over days and days and days. And this, this means love. The reason it means love is because Jesus, in that act of sacrifice, as his body was broken and his blood was poured out, he took on himself your sins, your brokenness, my sins, my brokenness for all of human history, and he paid once and for all. You see, that sacrifice was an act of love to save you. And that's why this symbol, what it was, was claimed by Jesus and has turned into something absolutely beautiful. And I hope that this starts to transform your understanding. Over the years, we've realized some incredible things about Jesus. First, that Jesus is always more than you think he is. Your relationship with him is more than you think he is. We learn that Jesus breaks all barriers. He overcomes all of your brokenness with sacrifice, and he overcomes any of your circumstances with power. We learn that God has a patient kindness kind of love that transforms the world. And most important, we learn that Jesus' death meant our life his resurrection meant our victory, and now nothing can separate us from the love of God. So what is our response? Well, we learn that Jesus must be lifted up on the cross in your life and for all to see. That our response is to take this message of the cross equals love and show it to everyone. That's why we do this series. I expect you to have amazing conversations, to talk to people, to, to do incredible things, to invite them to church. Of course we want them to come on Easter. We want them to come every week. But it's deeper than that. Your life needs to look like Jesus on the cross. That's kind of hard to deal with, to think about. Last year we dived into that thought. What does it mean to sacrifice? Because we learned that it's, it's easier to like Jesus than to love Jesus, but it's easier to love Jesus than to love like Jesus. Is that, you hear that? It's easier to love Jesus, love what he did for you, love how he sacrificed for you, love how he's always there for you, but it's a lot harder to love others like he loved us in a sacrificial way because love is a denial of self for another's gain. But the beauty of it, as we're learning, is that we get to participate in this work of love on the cross. When he was dying there on the cross, taking everything on, it was a work of love. But when we sacrifice in the same way, we join him in the greatest story of love 
in all of human history. Today, we connect cross equals love to bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love. We connect the two and show this is how we do this. And how we're going to do it is by first going to the Word of God. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open to Mark 10. Mark 10 is a biography of Jesus. It's a story of what he did while he was here. And I encourage you to have your Bibles with you or on your phones. It'll also be on the screen. But will it be in Mark 10, 35 and 36? All right, let's read and see what happens here. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, these were also the sons of thunder, came to him. Teacher, they said, listen, we want for you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus replies, what do you want me to do for you? Have you ever had this happen in your life? Where someone's like, hey man, can you do me a favor? And some of you are loving, kind, trusting, generous people. And you say, sure, what's up? I don't. I say, what's the favor first? <laughs> Y'all laughing, but you're thinking it. You're thinking it, right? This is like sly on their heart. You're like, hey, Jesus, we know you're like a, kind of like a loving guy. So uh, can you do whatever we ask? Jesus says, what is it that you want for me to do? And this is a bold ask. Verse 37. They replied, Lord, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left hand in your glory. The audacity of these bros. This is a big ask. What they're saying is, we want to be the most powerful people in your glory. What they're referring to is this idea that they believed that Jesus was going to take over the Roman government and make one government of the entire world, an empire, and that they wanted to be the ones who sat on his right and his left. Now, that, that's not like what happens at the dinner table every single night. At the dinner table every single night, my, my wife is fought over by our children, okay? So she used to sit on the end of the table so one person could sit next to her, but now she sits in the middle so that two, but I have, but I have three kids. So they fight to sit on her right and her left. They don't fight over daddy. <laughs> I say, when do you want to sit by me? They're kind enough not to say anything. That's not what's happening here. That's not this. That would be sweet. Jesus, can I sit on your, your right at lunch? That's sweet. No, no, no. This is something different. This is a position of power. This is saying, I want to be your right-hand man. I want to be the person in prestige and power. Now, I want you to, to imagine that it, this is audacious. It's not just arrogant. It is arrogant. But it's audacious. Because these men, you got to understand who they were. They were fishermen which means that they were less than. That means that they were kind of on the low bar. They were brown people, and they were Jewish brown people, and um, they were not looked on kindly by the rest of society. That's who they were. Not only that, they'd been rejected by the teachers of the law, so they weren't even people they looked at and said, oh, these would be good religious people. So they, they have a little bit of pride in what's going on. They have a little bit of belief in what Jesus is going to do, but they're the lowest of the low. There's only two groups lower than these Jewish fishermen, and they were women and slaves. It's important. Pay attention to that. Verse 38. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? We'll be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. So first of all, they don't understand the kingdom, right? They don't understand what's going to happen next. You're like, you don't, you don't know what you're asking. See, it's not going to be a kingdom like Rome. 
It's going to be a divine kingdom. It's not going to look like that. It's going to look like something completely different. You don't know what you are asking. It wouldn't be a kingdom like the kingdoms of men where it's lorded over them. It would be one of sacrifice. They didn't understand that. But even more so, they didn't understand what it was about to cost Jesus. The cross, the beating, the scourging, the betrayals, the pain, the suffering, the death. They didn't understand the cup Jesus was about to drink. And how do they respond? Verse 39, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. This, this is chilling. This is prophetic Jesus. He's saying, can you do this? And they're thinking, yeah, we can do whatever you do, Jesus. Put us at the right and the left. Let's go with this kingdom. Jesus said, can you? And they said, yes, we're willing, we're willing, we're willing. And Jesus has this moment where he sees. And he looks forward to the moment where James is beheaded for his faith. And all the suffering that led up to that. He looks forward to John, who was boiled alive and survived. But then later, according to the contemporary scholars of the day, was martyred for the faith. I want you to imagine you're James and John after the crucifixion. And you recall this message and the realization that you would suffer and die for Jesus, that he had called it out. That's a message in and of itself for us today. But I want to keep moving. Verse 40. But to sit on my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. God's going to decide that. All right, so then they're having this conversation, and the other ten disciples who are around them start to recognize what happened and listen in, and they're not happy. Listen, verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They're like, shut the front door. What did you just try to do? You're trying to get more powerful than us? Are you kidding me? They're already trying to jockey for position. They do this over and over and over again. And the disciples, I, don't, I think this is a kind verse. It says, they became indignant with them. I think, I think there was some, some stuff being thrown. Like some, the people were getting, getting upset. And it's like, you didn't get it. You weren't listening. So Jesus calls them together. I, I, like, I know Jesus probably didn't strike people the way I think he did, but he's like slapping heads. Guys, stop it. Get in here. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that probably. But I think of him doing it once in a while. Anyways, <clears throat> it's freedom, right? Don't take that as God's truth. It's just my imagination. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Listen, you oppressed people. You oppressed Jewish people. You fishermen, you've seen the truth of what I'm telling you. You're starting to reclaim your identity in me. But don't get it twisted. Don't look to the world to see what you're supposed to do. I am saying something completely different. You want to go higher. 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 Then look at verse 44. 
And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. All translations I can find say slave. That's what this word means. Now, it's not the same as the slavery that happened in the United States. Um, it was closer to indentured servitude with, with rights, some rights, but really no rights. It was, it was bad. It was not good. But it's not the same, quite the same, where there's this habitual, like, years and years and years of it is different. But it was still the lowest of the low. The slaves, they were menial servants. They were regarded as less them. James and John and the disciples, they wanted to ascend far beyond a poor, brown, uneducated, second-class fisherman could ever imagine they could go. And Jesus says this, you want to go higher? Go lower. Become a slave. In order to love like Jesus did, we must go lower. Mark 10, 45. Why? <laughs> For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, be like me. This is a profound message of Jesus. I came to go lower. Lower than you can even imagine. Yes, I was lifted up onto a cross but even as I was lifted up into the cross, it meant I was going lower, that I was humiliated and stripped naked in front of everything, that I'd watch my family as they watched me suffer and die, that I had to feel the abandonment of everyone around me and to be separated from a moment from God, like the anguish he went through. That's what he came to do, to go lower. The disciples wanted to be in control, but it goes deeper than this. See, it's not just that to be the right-hand man. Back then, to sit on the right and the left meant you were a, it was a title. You were a political advisor. It meant you got to give advice to the king. What they're saying, James and John, is, I want to set, sit at your ear, Jesus, and I want to tell you what to do. So you don't quite see the world the way it is. Let me give you advice, the height of the arrogance. They not only wanted a taste of that kingdom power, they wanted to tell Jesus how to make the right decision. Whew. Now you're all sitting here going like, they're crazy, right? How do we embrace the arrogance of the disciples? Because we do it too. We do it too. Now, I'm going to explain how this connects to us. Besides the glaringly obvious desire for us to remake Jesus politically into the image of a Republican or Democratic candidate, am I hitting? Making the obvious mistake of the disciples and thinking that the kingdom of God is the United States of America. Now, I could preach on that all day, and we've preached on that, and we will preach on that, and that's not going anywhere. But today... I want to take it to a different level with us. I want to look at us. See, we think the kingdom's going to look a certain way. We want the church to look a certain way, to meet certain needs. And instead of waiting and sensing what Jesus is about to do, I instead want to sit at Jesus' ear and explain to him how the world really works. I want to be seen in a certain light with power, and, and I want Jesus to know the ways in which if he would just do it this way, it will work out. 
if you would only listen to me, let me advise you on my life and how I can make it better. Instead of seeing the kingdom work that God is doing, we want to tell him how to make our kingdoms work. That was good. I didn't write that. I'm like that. I've got to remember. That's good. Okay, got it. Listen, we do this all the time. God is calling us. What is he calling us to do? Go lower. I want you to say that in your mind. You can say it out loud. Go lower. Start to embrace what that means. It doesn't mean your identity has changed. In fact, your identity gets closer and closer to Jesus as you go lower, as you serve people. In order for the cross to equal love in the world, we must know that the world is watching and we have to adopt the same position as Jesus and go lower. You see, it's easier to love Jesus than to love like Jesus. And when I talked about bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love as we sat here at the couches and we talked about it, I said, you know what the disciples forgot? They even forgot. After this, they forgot. They forgot the position that Jesus placed himself. They abdicated the table and said, it's better for us to read the word of God than to serve at the table. They forgot all of that. They forgot that Jesus put himself on the ground. James and John, who said, I want to be at your right and left, later, right before Jesus would die, he washes their feet. He strips down to the role of a slave, of a servant, and he lives out what he said he came to do. He went lower. I don't know if you've ever gone through that ceremonial foot washing. See, back then, it was something that was done um, to help get the dust and the dirt and the nastiness off of people's feet so that when they walked into the home, they were able to relax. The servants did it. Jesus famously did it to his 12 disciples. He said, if you want to be part of me, you have to let me do this. And so he's washing their feet. I've gone through this a couple of times. The last time I did it, I was at a retreat. And the retreat was there to help me heal. And so there were trained people. People have been doing this for decades, loving on people, caring for them, praying for them. This is the end of the week. We're all feeling just overwhelmed by the love of God. And so we had this ceremony where we did many different things. And, and um, in the middle of the room, they were going to do a foot washing, and they instructed us to take our shoes off and, and then go and, and sit and, and receive. And so I took my shoes off. And mind you, this is um, days of hiking out in the mud. So not, not great-looking shoes or whatever. So I go to sit down at the, uh, at the um, chair with my shoes off, and they begin to kind of go through this process of foot washing, bring the basin out. And then I realize my socks are still on. I'm like, oh, man, those are some nasty socks. Like, they, they're nasty. Like, I'm a, I'm a, so I start to reach down to take them off. And this woman who'd been there, she was uh, uh, from Brazil, heavy accent. She gently grabs my wrist and stops me. She looks me in the eye. She says, no, you let me do this. I don't know why that hit me so hard. This idea that I'm trying to prepare myself for this experience to get everything out of the way so that they could do a good job. And it's like her saying, like, no, no, I'm here to serve you. Let me serve you. Let me love you. She took those socks off and, and she bathed my feet and went through the ceremony. And I'll never forget it the rest of my life because there's a humility in having your feet washed, but there's a humility when you see someone who has adapted this idea of like, go lower. And they love deeply. I want you to see this. I want you to understand and get an image of your mind of what it means to go 
lower. And so today, I want to, uh, I want to wash somebody's feet. Um, and so I've invited a man named Shay. So I want to have Shay come on to the stage. Shay, would you come out here, please? Uh, you guys give it up for Shay. He's willing to do that. Um, what you don't know about Shay is uh, Shay is on staff. He's part of our cleaning crew. He makes everything clean along with Wendy, um, and we really appreciate that. So somebody's got to clean the place, and he does, but he goes above and beyond that. And when we thought about who could I wash their feet, uh, we thought, first of all, who would be willing? Uh, second, um, we thought, okay, who is someone who lives this, who lives this out? And Shay is someone who uh, he goes lower all the time. It's like who he is. And uh, he serves dutifully in our sound and makes it sound great, but he's always willing to help. Uh, and so I want you guys to give him a round of applause. And he's going to have a seat. Um, so Shay, I'm going I'm to wash your feet. And I want you guys to watch. And I want you to be thinking, not just about what I'm doing with Shay, but what God has done for you and what he's calling you to do. Um, so yeah. Shay, by the way, these are the coolest boots I've ever seen in my life. They're like combat boots with, with my favorite kind of fastener, which is Velcro. No, they're really cool. I don't even know you get that. I want you to, to imagine this. And I'm going to challenge you a little bit in this time. And I want you to think of what God may be calling you to go lower in. You know, sometimes I hear this from people. I hear this phrase. You know, I don't need to be at church every week. The reason why I don't need to be at church every week is because me and God, we're good. I said, listen, going to church isn't always about you. Go lower and realize that your worship and your praise and your relationship with God, it's actually for other people. You don't know what people have been coming in here with. You don't know that they might be getting off of addiction and they're sober for 15 minutes for a day and they're struggling and they need to see someone in there who's worshiping God with abandon. See, go lower. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and God. And there are others who sometimes say it's about small groups. And they say, you know, I don't need to be in a small group. I don't need to be in a life group. I have a good connection with God. I have a great connection with God. My parents, they love Jesus too, so I don't really need that community. But in reality, God is calling you to go lower and create belonging for someone who has never experienced that in their entire life. Some of us, we need to learn how to go lower in the life journey. I hear this a lot. I don't need to go to the life journey. I've been a Christian for so many years. I have it all figured out. Yeah, so did James and John. Didn't they? <laughs> go lower and realize there are people there who need you and that you might have something else to learn about who Jesus is because he's always bigger and greater than you think he is. I can go on and on and on about what God is calling us to do. I could talk about all the things I say in my head where I don't have to and this doesn't need to and I don't need to and I don't need to do this again and I don't need to have this conversation again. I don't need to humble myself again, again and again and again and again. And what I'm doing when I'm doing that moment is I forget that Jesus was right where I'm at right now. And he was washing feet. Not only was he washing feet, but he was looking into the eyes of his disciples. 
the ones who are about to abandon him, the ones who are about to leave him alone, the ones he's dying for and suffering for, and he knows this, and yet he goes lower and he washes their feet. I think what's beautiful about this image is it destroys all my excuses. And it shows me who I am and what he's called me to do. What's next? Because it isn't just about inside the church at all. In fact, I want you to start thinking about what's next. That I'm not calling you just to be involved in this church, I'm actually calling you to go and serve. So there's a person that's sitting in this seat in your life that God is calling you to go lower and to serve. There's someone, there's a family, there's something, and God is calling you, you are called to do what I did. I don't know who that is. I can give you, and in later weeks, we're gonna give you some practical steps to certain things, but this week, this week, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and say, this is what I want you to do, to serve someone with physical needs or to serve someone that you don't like. I don't know who it is, but the Holy Spirit does. So what we're going to do in this moment is we're going to take this imagery, we're going to take this posture, and you're going to say, God, I'm going to go lower, not because I'm so amazing or so great, but because I'm, I'm humbled by your love for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple minutes, about five minutes to pray and ask God, I'm going to open us by praying for you, giving time, and then reading from Isaiah 53 that talks about who Jesus was. So I invite you to close your eyes. Get yourself in whatever posture you need to hear, even if that's standing, that's kneeling, whatever you need. And I want to ask God that you would speak to each of us, that you would bring to mind what you want us to do, how you want us to serve, how you want us to go lower. And I'd ask that you would bring that to mind for every person here as we remember your posture and what you did for us. Isaiah 53, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. But he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Speak to us, God. We give this time.
voice is speaking to you. And he's showing you that person that you can look at that's in the chair. The one that you are called to serve and to love. Come take heed of it. God, I pray that you would empower us as the wind blows into our community outside. May the wind of your Holy Spirit blow into our hearts right now as we speak. And that it would give us life, that it would fill us up, that it would be your breath in our lungs. God, we would learn how to love like you did. I pray that those who have heard from God, that they would act in obedience. They would not wait to do good. They would not wait to lower. They would go and serve. I pray, God, for those who don't yet hear, that later as they see the wind moving through the trees, that they would realize that you are moving in their hearts. That you will show them what to do, how to walk humbly, how to act justly and love mercy. Because you're a good God. Amen. God is speaking to you. He is. There's some powerful things happening. There are those, though, who have heard this message and realize, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if I'm following him. And today may be your day. Now, sometimes we lead you through a prayer because it's helpful because you're just having a conversation with God. But today, in a moment, we're going to hear a song. It's a song, a celebration that we're all going to be really excited about. But in it is such a picture of what it means to be saved by Jesus Christ and to follow him. You have heard the cost today. You have. It's going to cost you. But not because you're going to earn it, but because you get to be part of it. Not because you've got to earn what Jesus did, but because you get to participate in what Jesus did. And that is the greatest thing you'll ever do with your life. That's powerful. So if you want to make that decision, I encourage you, as the song is playing, to make that commitment to claim your identity in Jesus that was stolen from you long ago to begin this journey of the cross equaling love in your life as you tell all about him. I hope you heard how excited Pastor Nathan gets every year he gets to give this message. Uh, and this year was no exception. It's really cool to come off our, our series where we talked about our 10-year vision and to go right into Cross Equals Love and, and to hear the call to action that Pastor Nathan gave us, which was to go out and serve, to start to bear that short torch to, to love others and love them well and serve them because of what Jesus has done for us and all the examples he has given us, what that looks like. I, I hope you took time to at least a couple of minutes to hear what the spirit may be placing on your heart and who he may, may be calling you to serve. If you haven't done that yet, I, I would urge you as soon as you finish this podcast to do that because like Pastor Nathan said, he, he wasn't gonna he didn't give us a, a exact direction of how to serve, but rather invited us to hear the call of the Holy Spirit as he works in us to lead us to the people who who need to the hands and feet of Jesus and need our love and our service especially. I love that he highlighted Shay. Um, Shay does so much and is such a, a beloved and valuable member of this team. So I love that he highlighted Shay. Uh, but 
If you are going through something, uh, something you heard from this message about um, being loved and being served by Jesus and others, or, or if you just have something else going on in your life, we would love to pray over you, to connect with you, to love on you, to, to support you. Um, you can fill out a connect card or reach out to one of our uh, staff or, or one of our uh, congregation members personally. You can also talk to Pastor Al about getting involved in a life group. We have those come out in the summer, and those are great opportunities to do life with people and to be loved and supported and served by them. So be sure to check those opportunities out. But this week, I hope you hear the call of the Spirit, uh, the call that will undoubtedly lead you to people who need the love of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we believe, and, and that's what we're called to do. So I hope you hear that this week and start to see the ways God is moving you towards serving others. Uh, Have a great blessed week and we'll see you again soon.